Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Playsheet Podcast. Joe, it's good to be the one doing the intro again. It's good to have you back doing it, Charles. <laughs> as always, as you can hear, joined with my good friend Joe. We're now going into week 12 in many fantasy leagues. No more trades are allowed at this stage. We're getting to the very serious part of the season. Where has the season gone? I, it flies by, doesn't it? All the time. We say it every year. We start and we go, we're so excited for football. We're, we're so glad football's back. And before we know it, we're, we're there going, oh, it's nearly over. Just hang on to those few last games. But um, why don't we start with Chiefs-Eagles, Joe? Because that was a game that we sort of previewed last week. We said that it was two titans of their conferences, but we weren't entirely sure how much was going to be revealed, what we'd actually learned from this, given the position the two teams were in and, and what it meant for playoffs. So where's your head at? What do you think we learned from this game? It's really a weird one because this was a game where it felt almost as almost as if both teams weren't playing at 100%. You look at that first half and the Eagles really, after scoring their first touchdown, were lucky to be in the game. But Equally, they were in the game because the Chiefs were just not efficient in the red zone. They were giving away too many penalties. They were making mistakes. Mahomes was missing throws on other days he'd probably make. Wide receivers were running bad routes. The wide receiver call from the Chiefs full stop was pretty poor on a Monday night. All in all, it's almost a game where you can't take too much from it because there's just too many what-ifs. And look, I know that the Eagles went away with the win, but hey, look, the first touchdown that they scored, there was a massive hold on there that wasn't called. There's lots of what-ifs in this game. And so I think this should be one that's pretty easy for the Chiefs to compartmentalise and move on from. And it's one that, yeah, sure, the Eagles will gain a little bit of motivation, a little bit of encouragement from the fact that they've managed to beat the Chiefs in the Chiefs' ground. But look, both these teams, I think, would be saying that by the time playoffs comes, by the time potentially a Super Bowl comes, a replay of last year, this game won't really mean too much. I mean, you mentioned there that Mahomes looked a little off his game and the offense in general just wasn't really clicking for the Chiefs. Do you think that if the Chiefs were to take anything away from this game, do you think that their defense gave a very strong showing and that at least gives them some encouragement? Because they know that their offense, more often than not, is going to show up on the day. And actually, do, do we feel that their defense was pretty impressive in that game for the most part? And so that, if anything, maybe just encourages them further. The defense was good, especially the front four. I mean, Chris Jones, two sacks. Uh, Trent McDuffie, two sacks. And I think George Kaflatilis got in with a sack as well. So they were getting to Jalen Hurts with, you know, the, the Eagle O-line often gets vaulted up there as one of the best in the league. I think a lot of that is just the amount of Pro Bowls and players with Pro Bowls you've got there. It's maybe living off its laurels a little bit. It wasn't that good on Monday night, but it is a good O-line still. And the Chiefs were getting through it. So, yeah, so defense stood up. But going back to the offense, I mentioned it previously, the wide receiver call for the Chiefs was poor. Really, really bad. Um, now, don't get me wrong, the interception that Mahomes threw, that's on him. That wasn't a bad route. That wasn't a busted route. He threw it straight down the throat to uh, Kevin Bayard, who I'll come back to maybe later, but, but he was poor. Uh, but there were so many cases where 
passes were missed or it looked like they missed but it's basically because the wide receiver was just running the wrong route not being where he should be making the wrong call on a split route those kind of things this is a bad wide receiver core and you know they've tried to draft their way out of it picked up players in the last couple of years like Sky Moore Rashid Rice I mean we've seen flashes from him but uh, you know some other players like MBS MBS has not been good at all you can only rely on Kelsey so much and when you have experienced coaches running defenses who know how to bump Kelsey we talked about this a couple of years ago and Belichick knows how to deal with Kelsey you look at the amount of times he gets bumped when he's running routes when he'll be running across and there'll be a, a linebacker coming the other way it just puts him off his route smart coaches plan these type, of, these, these type of things and when they do that Kelsey just doesn't have as many touches of the ball just doesn't get the separation he normally does and the Eagles were doing that to some extent on Monday night you take Kelsey out of a game like that and there's not really much else here and it, the Chiefs in a sense were lucky that Pacheco stepped up this was the Pacheco show on Monday night I mean he in my opinion was leading the offense 19 carries 89 yards 4.7 average he was keeping the chains moving but if you stuff him and stuff Kelsey, well, there's just not really much else here, even with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. There's only so much you can work with. It's a difficult one because I feel sometimes it's a bit between the devil and the deep blue sea. We often on this show talk about windows, talk about smart rookie contracts, and it kind of feels like at the beginning of the season we were partially praising the Chiefs for maybe putting their money where it's most warranted you know they've got Kelsey on that contract they've got Mahomes on that contract and they're the ones that are going to do a lot of the lifting for the offense certainly in the receiving game they've got Pachenko who you've you know correctly identified as as being a superstar in this game but also has who showed up big in games last season do you think they tried to overcook it a little bit with the wide receivers? You know, they traded Hill away. They then, as you mentioned, didn't really trade for anyone meaningful to replace him and thought a bit like Pachenko, they could sort of draft their way out of it. And, and have they just maybe gone too far in that direction? I think they had to make a call. They made a call where they wanted to spend the money. They spent the money on the O-line, which was totally correct, on Kelsey, like you say. And I think you can't really argue against that. I think the issue was that Hill would have just cost too much money. And that's where there had to be a break somewhere. For sure. But then just because you give Hill away doesn't mean that, you know, your best replacement is MVS. No, but I think what they maybe didn't regard properly was when you have a player like Hill who you've got Kelsey taking double coverage, you've got Hill taking double coverage, you've got those two players who are basically taking both safeties out of the game, taking a, a cornerback each as well or a linebacker in, in Kelsey's case. When you've got two guys who are like that who demand so much attention every other wide receiver who you've got playing is suddenly going to look good because they're basically on -on one-on-ones all the time permanently through the game if a team is you know covering the players that should be covering and that made players like Mikhail Hardman when he was in that team with those two other players on the offense look better than perhaps what they are Mikhail Hardman's back with a team right now I know he was injured on Monday night I think I think he was a scratch but they brought him back thinking that he could reignite a little bit of what they saw a couple of years ago. And he's not, because he's seeing normal coverage. He's seeing normal defensive sets where he's not one-on-one all the time now. And that's going to happen when you don't have a player like Kelsey in the team as well. So, yes, right, they had to find a way around cap hell. They had to, they had to make decisions somewhere. But it's just between the devil and the deep blue sea be somewhere in the middle you still need in some extent like a wide receiver who's going to lead your 
offense, who's going to create a threat, who's going to demand double coverage at some point. And the Chiefs do not have that anywhere. So it's it's making them a team that you can game plan for. And like I said, the game plan is bump Kelsey, find a way to take him off his roots, find a way to make him uncomfortable, cover the running game on Pacheco, and there's a blueprint now to beat this team. And if there's one thing to, to perhaps take away, it, it's not anything new. Like I said, Belichick did this a couple of years ago. But this is a team that has a formula to beat them. And every time we've seen teams do that right, the Chiefs struggle big time. Do you feel that the Eagles have learned something from their last Super Bowl showdown? Do you feel that if they did match up against each other this year round, they would have a better chance at, at beating the Chiefs? You know what? I don't, Charles. And this... It's going to sound strange for a team that has the best record in the NFL right now, standing at 9-1, top of the NFC. In all likelihood, we'll probably get the uh, first seed in the NFC, get a first week by, have an easier run through the playoffs, and we'll probably make Super Bowl again. So there's a lot that seems to be in the Eagles' favour. But I genuinely don't feel, from watching a lot of Eagles games this season, that this Eagles team are really all that. They don't impress me the same they, way that... Weirdly, yeah, they don't look as dominant as they did last season, which isn't to say that they're not winning games. It, it just last season, they looked imperious. They were putting teams to the sword. And even though they're winning this season, I'm just not seeing it with the same level of flair. Now, I, that's a very strange comment because, look, a win's a win. And sometimes, actually, the gritty wins are just good coaching and the best football. And you don't need to beat teams by massive numbers. But I just, they were, last season on defense, were killer. They destroyed teams. I mean, they destroyed San Francisco. I just, I'm not seeing the same Eagles team with the same pure dominance. And it just makes me think, are they a better team than they were last season? I'm not so sure. And that's exactly it. And there's, there's two ways that, that you can look at it. And I think you just kind of covered them off, really. You can either look at it in the case of they're not that dominant. They're not quite as good. They're not the same side that they were a year ago. If it's them against Chiefs in the Super Bowl, again, all things being equal and everyone plays to their full strength, then it won't be as close as last time. On the flip side, you could say, yeah, but they're a more dogged team now. They're finding ways to win. They're hanging in there. They're, they're winning dirty, and that's what champions do. And uh, both of those are quite kind of subjective ways to look at it. It's just the eye test. But look, this defense, I think, on most stats isn't as strong as what it was last year. I think if the, I think you look at that O-line and the protection that they're giving, the time to throw, not quite as good as it was. Oh, yeah, so statistically, not quite as good. But look, they're 9-1, and one, and you can't really argue with 9-1 and one either. So, you know, there's still time for them to have an in-season collapse. They could go on a few bad games. We just saw it from the 49ers. They went on a free-game losing tear. There's nothing to say that the Eagles won't go and do that. But if you're a gambler man, I would probably say that the bookies' favourite for Super Bowl right now is probably a rematch of last year. And maybe San Fran sneak in, but that's what it looks like right now. Yeah. Okay then, Joe, let's go to another big matchup, another one that we called out as being an interesting game to watch, which was the Bengals-Ravens. I mean, that was just a game of attrition, wasn't it? That felt like two teams that were just really didn't want to lose and have almost ended up taking each other out. 
Yeah, that's it. And whereas the Eagles and Chiefs game that we just touched on, or right, the Chiefs lost, but it's not the end of the world. They'll move on. Like I said, they'll probably get first seed in the AFC. No real harm done, no real foul. In that game, yes, Fletcher Cock briefly left the game for the Eagles. Grant Calcaterra hurt his ankle in the third quarter. But I mean, Calcaterra is a pretty minor league player. There's little real damage that's happened to either of those teams. They'll both go on. Ravens-Bengals, on the other hand, that game's finished for the Bengals off for the year. 100%. They're done. That's, that's it. Yeah, game over. If the record wasn't bad enough that they've slipped to, was it 5-5 five and five they've slipped to? Yes, yes, because that was the completely winning division, wasn't it? And they, yeah. they've now just tied, yeah. So 5-5 five and five puts you in the hunt, so to speak, but out of the playoff picture. Um Ravens are now 8-3, so the Bengals are three games behind the Ravens. They're not going to win the AFC North. Forget that. So your best chance now is picking up a wild card, but then you pick up that wild card, you're playing, your route to the um, Super Bowl is probably Ravens, then Chiefs. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So you've got that. But then... If that wasn't enough to convince you that they're finished, Burrow's out for the season now. Done his middle ligament in his throwing hand. Surgery, see you sometime in training camp, hopefully. This team isn't going to have a winning record without Joe Burrow on the field. I'll, I'll categorically say that to you right now. We've seen it proved. We saw it last season when he was injured. We've seen it previously. So, Bengals are finished. Ravens move on. Injuries, though, like you say, this is Mark Andrews. A, Mark Andrews, yeah, this is a Ravens team that's getting beaten up. But bring in, I uh, say, so likely. I mean, good luck to him, but he's not Mark Andrews. He doesn't have that connection with Lamar Jackson. So it's uh, winning, but at what cost? Ravens will march on, yeah. you know, but they're a battered up team right now. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for them a bit because I feel like every year we talk about how badly beaten up they are. They lose running backs on the regular. And now to add Mark Andrews to the list, it just feels like when are they going to catch a break? Because we constantly talk about how talented we think Lamar Jackson is. And it just feels like he never has a complete team to work with or he is injured himself even. Well, I should want to stop something there. Lamar Jackson has this reputation for being an injured player. Right, he's got his reputation, but I think over the last three seasons, he's missed something like 10 games through injury. I think Joe Burrow's missed nearly twice as many as that. He's called unlucky by the press. It's unlucky. Well, actually, that's a really good point, Joe, because one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, we obviously witnessed Burrow have his major injury a couple of seasons ago, and we were really quick to have a go at the Bengals O-line. And, well... To be fair to us, we said at the beginning of the season, this is an O-line that can't protect him. There's danger there. And then he went and got injured. Do we feel that his injury this time round is still a case of that O-line not being up to scratch? Or do we think this was unlucky in this scenario? No, I think when you go back to when we were criticising the Bengals O-line, that O-line was criminal. With the amount of sacks. It was. It was awful. That was one of the worst O-lines of the last... 10 years that was a criminally bad one because i talk about burrow hanging on to the ball a bit too much but back then he didn't even have time to hang on to the ball there was there was zero that that, it was paper thin that o-line the ball would be snapped and it'd have a de like in his face before he could even take the ball up to throwing position so that's what it was it's not that bad now it's 
a middling O-line. An injury like this, you're not going to say, yeah, well, we knew that one was coming because the O-line was so bad. That's how it was previously. I don't think that's the case now. And so we're saying how bad things are for the Bengals. Things could be getting even worse. Now, the injury report, it's something that's, for some people, I think especially in the UK, where we don't really have something that's analogous with it. People don't really understand what it is and the rules around it. Basically, if you have a player who has any injury whatsoever, that's an injury that stops him practicing, that stops him being fully active in practice, that means that he is encumbered in any way whatsoever, that has to be disclosed. And it's very clear what the disclosures are. For example, if it's less than 50% likely that a player is going to play on Sunday due to their injury, they have to be designated as doubtful. If it's more than 50%, but there's a chance that they won't play, questionable. And and it's it's almost scientific how the injury report works. Now, don't be wrong, this ties into gambling. It ties into gambling so that gamblers... I was just about to say, that's the core reason. Vegas, yeah. baby. Yeah, yeah, but it keeps it fair then. Then no one can turn around yeah. and say, well, we didn't have all the information. We bet on the Bengals because uh, we thought that Joe Burrow was playing and he wasn't. So I've lost, you know, I've lost my house. It means that Joe on the street doesn't have that disadvantage that the bookies might know something that he doesn't. So... Not reporting things in terms of injury designation is pretty serious. Now, Joe Burrow was seen getting on the team plane, on the Bengals team plane, on Bengals film that they put on their Twitter account with his arm in like a, I guess you call it like a kind of like compression sleeve. Uh, not just a compression sleeve that you'd wear fashionably or just because you wear that. It, almost as if he was carrying an injury. He then goes and injures that arm in the game. Suddenly, everyone's saying, why didn't he have a designation? To make things worse, the Bengals then take this video off their website, almost as if they're trying to hide the evidence. You get big names out there, like Dave Portnoy, who let everyone know on his Twitter and Facebook feed that he'd put 120 grand on the Bengals to win the game. Suddenly, you've got a big news story. Now, did the Bengals know about an injury to Joe Burrow and not disclose it? Zach Taylor said that he didn't think that there was an injury. Burrow has come out and said that he didn't have an injury. He was just wearing that compression sleeve because on planes, uh, your arms can swell up and players do that to avoid that. So we've got two denials there, but the league has launched an investigation here. This is something that probably still has a few more legs. Um, if a league did feel that uh, the Bengals knew about an injury that they didn't disclose, you could see draft picks being taken away. So on top of fines, fines, I'm saying draft picks because draft picks, I think, matter more than fines. Teams can always find the money to pay for a fine, but you can't magic draft picks out of the air. So one to watch out for, but this game, which was bad for the Bengals, the season ending bad, could get even worse. All right then, Joe, why don't we finish off just on a few other bits from around the league. Let's start with the Chargers. Luckily for me, Green Bay were the beneficiary of yet another shooting themselves in the foot. Look, as happy as I am that Green Bay won this game, Green Bay didn't win it, the Chargers lost it. Yeah, and um, I joke about people sometimes, that, like I, I do the old kind of wolf of uh, Wall Street line, don't judge me by my winners, judge me by my losers, because there are so few. The Chargers are one of my losers every season. Every season, I think, you know, this is going to be the... <laughs> this is going to be the year. Like, look at that offense. Look at that defense. This is going to be this is going to be some team. 
every season they find ways to snatch defeat from a jaws of victory no change whatsoever like you say they... it was so bad joe we're talking about drops on the one yard line we're talking about absolute whiffs in key moments of the game that we're going to like veterans that you're going what why can you not get and we've control seen... of this is it just the yips are they just like a team that have tripped over themselves so many times before there's just like no belief there now i don't even know what it is charles because we've seen so many personnel changes so many coaching changes it's like triggers broom where the handle's been changed 10 times and the brush has been changed 14 times it's a totally different team but they're still doing the same things it, 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 it boggles the mind but look this Chargers team wouldn't trust them to be uh who's garbage the titans or the giants or anyone just wouldn't trust them to be anyone at all uh, you said you were happy about Green Bay winning this, but are you? Because uh, I know no one wants to see their team tank. You want to see your team win. But this Green Bay team aren't going to the postseason. They're not. No, they're not. But we also can't tank because we're in the same division as the Bears. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it hard to tank, that is for sure. But I mean, it looks like Green Bay are going to be heading for a, I don't know, a, a, a low teens draft pick probably somewhere around maybe 14 15 and winning games like that is only going to kind of crystallize that more which if we look at what jordan loves player is and has been for this season i think greenway would probably be preferring to be picking a quarterback but that's my view i'm not sure if you see it differently i do slightly i don't think jordan loves a bad quarterback i think he is a league average quarterback oh see i don't See, I don't. I don't okay, think he's. There we uh, go. I, 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 I would say that he is bottom end of the third quarter or top end of the fourth quarter. I'd say that he's a lower than average league quarterback. I could easily name twelve to fifteen quarterbacks who are categorically better than him. Another five who are probably better than him, and then he's probably better than a few of the rest. So, yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't put him as a league average quarterback. No. They're where we differ on that. But I think regardless <laughs> of how you see Jordan Love, I think the bigger issue with Green Bay and uh, what they do this season is I actually think they've got other contracts on their books that prevent them from tanking properly because I think you tank and you get good picks, but then you're still saddled with a team that is not cohesive. Aaron Jones on a huge contract. We say it once every other episode. Like it's, it's almost hard for us to go two episodes without talking about Aaron Jones' contract. Yeah, big contract, which at the time we both said felt expensive, but there you go. Um, you've got Bakhtiari, you know, who in his day, I mean, he's been injured a lot recently, but in his day was arguably one of the best left tackles in the league. And, and about three, four and, years and, ago. Like the last yeah. one that he could walk properly without a brace on his yeah, leg. Yeah, exactly. And then you think, well, why do you have one of the best left tackles in the league when you're protecting Jordan Love? And I kind of feel like there's no point drafting a rookie quarterback and bringing in some wide receivers and, and things like that until we've sort of shed some of the legacy contracts that we need to shed to become competitive again. So I actually don't mind sort of giving it a go this season to see what we do have so that next season we can 
tear it all down and start again. Feels like you've still got to fall in that pit of Moria with Borog to really come out. Yeah, uh, we are we are not at the depths of where the Packers are going to go yet, in my opinion. I think yeah. we have lower to go before we can start climbing back out. Okay, fine. But I think that what it means is it just probably delays the rebuild for another year with what you're doing this season. Yeah, it does. But I think, I, I don't think Jordan Love has delayed that. I think that uh, historic contracts have delayed that. Okay. Moving I mean, we're, st- we're, we're still paying dead money for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you know, a lot of dead I just money fit- for Aaron Rodgers. There's a, there's a lot of albatrosses around Green Bay's neck and, and they need to be gone before we can start properly thinking about a rebuild. It, 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 yeah, it feels like this season there's going to be some contract restructures. There's going to be some yes. trades for Magic Beans and you're yep. going to be eating a lot of dead money next season as well. Uh, yeah that's it and i think we just need to work our way through that um i don't think there's much benefit in looking for good i mean look you should always be on the lookout for the best rookie picks you can get i'm not saying like just pick garbage but i i just i think we need to evaluate what we've got so we we can understand what we want to hang on to and what we want to let go that's all moving on then uh brock purdy joe stunning week this week he really proved a lot of the critics wrong that were quick to jump on him and say that it'd been found out yeah look i i think that brock purdy is a player who people just need to have a bit more balance on and people are now going to get overexcited again because he had a perfect game and people are going to be you know calling him i'm joe montana i'm hard steve young tom brady but He's not that. He's also not the Mr. Irrelevant last draft pick that he was uh, suddenly re-anointed when he was on that three-game losing streak. He's a good quarterback. He'll have good games or have bad games. To a certain extent, he almost was found out during the season a little bit in that people knew what to expect from him. People knew what his game was. People knew what he was going to do. He's shown that he can adjust. And I think that's almost even more important than anything he's shown today. Forget the pass rating, forget what he's winning, forget all that. Being able to adjust in this league, especially as a quarterback, that is priceless. So uh, that, for me, has raised him in my estimations. Don't get me wrong, he'll have bad games in the future, he'll have good ones. But yeah, good for Brock Purdy, but don't buy into the hype train, don't buy into the anti-hype train when things aren't going well. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the other thing that's potentially worth pointing out just for balance is this was against a Tampa Bay team that out of the 32 teams in the NFL I think they've got something like the 27th worst record against wide receivers so in a passing frenzy game that Purdy had you know they weren't up against the best pass protect team amazing how losing a quarterback can turn the defense so rubbish because that was a good defense when they won the Super Bowl we can get on to that another time. We're running out of time on uh, this episode. But people who are slandering Brady were saying that he won that Super Bowl because of a defense like he always did. That defense had defensive rookies of the year. That was a team with, you know, Anton Winfield Jr. Vita Veyer is still elite. There's a lot of good players on that defense. Amazing how it's just not really performing right now. Yeah. All right then, Joe, let's finish it off. We started this section talking uh, about the Chargers and Green Bay. Let's finish it talking about the Vikings. Kareem Jackson received a four-game suspension for his helmet hit on Dobbs. Second time that he's done that this season, he's got a four-game ban. How do you feel about that? Look, we always talk about how much the league is serious about things. Is the league really serious about what it says it's serious about? Is it serious about racism? Is it serious about 
helmet-to-helmet collisions. This is his second suspension, so not not a case of his the second time that he's done it, the second time he's been suspended for it. So he's done it a lot more than twice. I think if you're suspended twice for the same offence, you should be out for the season. And I mean, it was a dangerous hit that he did on Dobbs. It was dangerous when he got suspended the first time. I'm clearly coming at this with some form of bias in that it was the Vikings who are on the bad end of it. But I mean, uh, four games is not a very long suspension. It doesn't really feel serious enough. And that's my view. Someone's just thrown it out there. You get, you know, suspended for helmet to helmet twice out for the season. Out for a season. Not for the season. Out for 17 games. (laughs) I am going to sit squarely on the fence here i i do agree with you it was a dirty hit he should have been suspended for it i don't think four games is inconsequential it's nearly quarter of a season but, but he did this in I, like the first or second quarter he did this early in the game and he played for the rest of the game as well now there's plenty of video replay well like, i mean that's that's where in my opinion the league really messed up because I don't understand how you're not capturing that at the time, or certainly very shortly after it happened. Why did we have to wait so long before this all came out? Yeah, it should have resulted in him being ejected from the game. And for things like that... It should have, yeah. Players should get ejected uh, on video replay for those kinds of offences. Yeah, absolutely. Like, New York are, are reviewing tape all the time. I don't see why they can't just step in and say, hey this happened you might want to just check that yeah and i think look look all of this goes back to i'm slightly a believer that if if you're serious about taking away head injuries if you're really serious about that and you really want to do that you have to get rid of helmets you have to go and, and you have to get rid of a lot of padding and you have to change your game fundamentally and take it almost back to how it was in the what was it 40s and 50s and change tackling back to how it was when it was more similar to rugby and then players won't go in with their heads. They won't lead with their heads because they'll knock themselves out. So you change the game that way. But until you do that, I don't think you can really be serious. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think, look, I don't think it's an inconsequential ban. I think a, a quarter of a season without a certain player can hurt teams a lot. I think it should be more. I do agree with you What on do you think is the right number? I, I think half a season personally so eight games for us for a second offense yeah i think so because because you're absolutely right he's been suspended for this before okay this, and, and not just before this season he's already been suspended this yeah, season. right right so then a second time in the same season it needs to be substantial i totally agree with that and and i think eight games half a season basically says i think that's a serious ban I, I do agree that four games is, a, it feels like that's the kind of punishment you should maybe get if it's the first time that you do it in, in this season, if it's really flagrant. But to do, to do it twice, it's like, come on. You've got, you've got to be putting in a proper punishment to discourage that. Otherwise, people are just going to go, four game bam, not the end of the world, I'll go again. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, Joel, so we're coming to the end of the episode now. I'm just going to throw something out to you really, really quickly. Quick yes or no answer will almost do. Do we need uh, Black Friday football? We've got it because of Amazon. Um, they've brought it in almost to push to push their own brand and company. Black Friday football, is it something that you've been waiting for? No, I can't say it ever is. But then Black Friday is 
is it a bit different here in the UK than it is in the US? Is it more of a holiday? You know, like we have Thanksgiving. I know it's not on the same level as things like Thanksgiving and things like that, but is it a bank holiday in America? Uh, uh, Does it follow Labor Day? No, it follows Thanksgiving, smarty pants. (laughs) Does it follow Labor Day? Uh, Please make sure you leave us in the episode. Please don't cut this. (laughs) Cut. Snip, snip. (laughs) (laughs) It it follows Thanksgiving, and um, uh, people definitely have Thanksgiving off. I'm not sure if the Friday is officially a holiday, but most, if not everyone, is off because they have the whole weekend off. So people are off. Are people sitting around, like, stuff full of turkey the same way that you would be on, like, a Boxing Day. I'm not quite sure if that is the case. Look, I do like it when we get football on a Saturday in December. That's nice. Yeah, but a Saturday's different. This is why I kind of think this is not brilliant because you're taking a game that would have been played on a weekend where people could have enjoyed it on television or even gone to the game live and you're sticking it on a day when people are in work. I'm not sure that's a great fan experience. I would probably say that 90 to 95% of working Americans will not be working on Friday. Who's going to sell all the knockoff TVs? They're the 5% who are working. <laughs> Retail, baby. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, uh, we'll call it for this week, Charles. It's been fun. As of thought, it's great to have you back. Uh, loving doing the pod again. And uh, look forward to speaking to you next week, hopefully. Speak next week. <laughs>